From Strongsville, Ohio, the pastor of the Strongsville Christian Church, Pastor Joseph Kalini. I'd like to welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church. Today's message is Mocking Spirit. Amen. Mocking Spirit. What is mocking? Mocking is to make fun of somebody or something in a cruel manner. And I got to tell you that as you serve God, you are going to see that the closer you get to God, the enemy is challenged, intimidated, and then threatened with your growth in God. And so he will release a mocking spirit to mock you when you start to serve God. Now, my question is, where does this mocking spirit come from? It comes from the pit of hell. Amen. And as you grow in God, you're going to start to see this mocking spirit manifest everywhere. Now, you could just say, well, why don't you just cast the spirit out? Well, go ahead. But as you cast it out of somebody, the Bible says that the spirit roams around looking on dry ground to another vessel. So in other words, you'll be spending your entire life casting out this mocking spirit because you're going to find out it's everywhere. Not omnipresent, but everywhere you go, you're going to encounter a mocking spirit. Some of you may have not yet encountered the mocking spirit, right? If you, if you become, I preached a sermon years ago called a chameleon, a chameleon Christian. You know what a chameleon is? A chameleon just blends in everywhere it goes. If it's on the yellow wall, it turns yellow. If it's on the white wall, it turns white. If it's on the wood, it turns brown or wood-like color. And there are some Christians, they're chameleons. They, they don't, they're not set apart. They don't stand out. If they're around unbelievers, they start to cuss like Peter, cussing Christians. They start to blend in with the world. They never stand for the word of God. They, they, in fact, they recognize that there is a potential to deal with this mocking spirit. So to duck and avoid the mocking spirit, they go to blend in, fit in. Children are notorious for doing this, that they will do whatever it takes to blend in, to fit in, to avoid standing out. So if the popular thing is, you know, wear saggy pants. I used to do it. I was sagging pants. I know you don't believe it, but I used to wear those sagging pants, those drooping drawers, and used to have gold teeth and gold chains. I know you don't believe it. I look like Mr. Rogers, but yeah, I used to do that. I used to lean hard to the left with my four 12-inch speakers. Yes, I did. I did whatever it took to blend in to that group at that time. Now, if I was out in the woods in the country, I wouldn't have been bumping uh, rap music, and, and I wouldn't have done that if I was in the country. I'd be like, do si do turn your partner round and round, do si do and turn them all around. Dude, I would have some cowboy boots. I would do whatever it took to blend in. You know, I would be doing that, uh, I don't even, what do you call that, that thing, that like little jig, the country folks? You know, like the hold down, I would be hold down, whatever it takes. You see, we are masters of fitting in. But how many of you know God called us to be set apart? Yes. Amen. And as you get set apart, it's going to take a braveness. It's going to take a boldness, a faith in God that you're not trying to fit in with the world. And I'm not trying to condemn certain types of music or mock it. I'm not trying to be a mocking spirit to different. I'm just making a point. That we will do, even as adults, 
we will do everything we can to fit in. But how many of you know if we fit in, a lot of times we lose our influence. Because the world will say, if you're just like me, if you act, talk, walk, and look just like me, why do I need anything about God? You're just like me. And in a way, it's true, but in a way, it's not true. We are in this world, but not of this world. Truthfully, when we get born again, the Bible says that we become new creatures and our citizenship is not on this earth. We become new citizens in heaven. And I'm going to tell you right now, the world is looking for new citizenship. They are getting tired of this world. Amen. Again, I have a, a message for you. I want to prepare you. This is not a sprint sermon. This is a marathon. Let the church say Amen. But I want to excuse every single one of you. If it's too much for you, amen, you're welcome. I don't want to hold you hostage. I, come back again. If you only want five minutes of the sermon, I, I won't, I'll, I'll go like this. If you can hit the doors, I won't even notice. Amen. I'll miss you. I love you. But I'm just saying, if you feel like it's too much, the sermon's going too long, hit them doors, Jack. Amen. And don't you come. No, you can come back, though. Amen. <laughs> But take what you need, amen, take what you need, amen. If it becomes too much, I don't want to choke you, amen. I'm just preparing you. I got a long-winded one, amen. I want you to come back another time if you just want. Sometimes you go to a buffet, you're already full before you get there. You just want some dessert and you leave, amen. That's okay. Today's message is mocking spirit. Mocking makes fun of someone in a cruel, one, cruel way. Anyone ever experienced this? Amen. It's not fun. Amen. Not fun at all. We have to be prepared for mocking in our own family. And notice the choice of words, old friends. Because when you become a new creature, unfortunately or fortunately, you start to lose old friends. I did. When I first became a Christian, why? Because my lifestyle, my priorities started to change. The things that I used to do, I did not do when I became a born-again creature. So my old friends, they started to mock me. My family and my friends who used to love me when I was living a wicked lifestyle, when I was getting drunk and I was getting high and I was stealing and robbing and I was everybody I never I never encountered the mocking spirit it wasn't until I came to God that I started to encounter this mocking spirit and then mocking started to come from everywhere as I walked with God and no one really prepared me to be mocked. I, I thought there was something wrong with me. I, I thought I had unrealistic expectations towards my walk with God. I thought that when I became a Christian and I started to serve God, I thought everyone was going to be celebrating that. I thought all of my family on both sides was going to be celebrating the new and improved me. 
I thought everywhere I went, I was going to be celebrated for my walk with God. And when they didn't celebrate my walk with God, I was shocked. Because I thought, surely they didn't want me to live a lifestyle that was destroying me. Surely they didn't want me a lifestyle that was threatening. And then to my shock, they were appalled with my walk with God on both sides of the family. I'm not saying everyone on both sides, but I experienced on both sides. We have to be prepared for mocking in our own family and old friends. I'm going to tell you, we have to learn to not take things personal, but take them spiritual. You're going to encounter that. If you're not encountering it, praise God. But I'm going to tell you, in your own household, there will be mocking. Why? Because the devil's not going to use someone in Iraq to mock you. He's going to use whoever has the closest access to you. He's going to use you. So what happens is you'll find that as people come to this church in particular, their family will start to mock them. Right? And my family... They started to get involved in my finances. Now, I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. My family and my friends, they did not care when I, my finances were going to get drunk. When I spent all my finances on entertainment, family had nothing to say. No contributions, no advice, no opinions. They, they, they backed off of my finances when it was going towards alcohol and gambling and, and the things of the world and entertainment. They were cool with that. But the moment I started giving my tithes to church, now all of a sudden I caught their intention and now they have a problem with how I spend my finances. Mind you, I had been out of the house since I was 18 years old. So in other words, they weren't paying my rent. They weren't paying my gas in my car. They weren't paying the electric bill. Why did they all of a sudden care after I've been out of the household for 10, 15 plus years, now all of a sudden that my finances are going towards God's house, they got a problem with it. I want to tell you that as you grow in God, you're going to encounter a mocking spirit. God forbid, you could give all the money to the bartender, give all the money to the club, but don't you dare give that money to the house of God. You'll start to see these things. And I tell you, I'm hitting home right now I can see on the facial expressions that I'm hitting home it's in the spirit because you're encountering a mocking spirit anything that blesses your soul and denies your flesh that mocking spirit will show up I've even recently I've heard stories people coming to me that their family was mocking them for fasting why do they care who's fasting? It's not them. You're not, it's, you're fasting and praying for you. And they got a problem. They don't care if you gorge. You know, you could go into that chocolate fountain and, and drink yourself into a coma, and they don't have a problem. Eat large of butter. And they're cool, but don't you fast. Now all of a sudden, they're invested in your diet. Now they have a, a newfound 
special interest in your diet. I'm going to tell you, folks, this is not, not a coincidence. Folks, the goal of this message is to prepare you to deal with this mocking spirit according to the word of God. Amen. And I'm going to give you some personal examples, praying I don't forget. Sometimes I go on these rabbit trails. Bible says this, folks, Matthew 10.35. For I have come to turn. Now, this is something. Didn't just Jesus come for everyone to sing kumbaya and dance around in a circle in a family and everyone loves one another? Look at what the scripture says, folks. For I have come to turn a man against his father and daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be them of his own household. Why? Because you'll find out the family members that we have that are not filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, demons recognize the Holy Spirit and they will come against you. But I want you to know that that only happens in the rest of the world's households except for your own. I want you to know it only happens in everybody else's marriage in the entire world except for your own. It only happens with everyone else's children except for all your children. Everyone, oh, I'm talking about all the other churches out there. Because we think like that. We think we're exempt from these spirits come not with not my mama, not my dad, not my grandma. And was it me, Peter said? Was it I? Am I the one? No, the one who dips their bread. And, and folks, anyone who loves, and here's what it's really saying. Anyone who loves their father, mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And it also says before that, that if you'll be ashamed of me before others, I'll be ashamed of you. And so basically what that means is that we are not called to be a chameleon Christian within our family, that we need to put God first and if you could put God first then you'll be able to appropriately biblically love them in a way that will bless them rather than the way that unsaved people want to be loved which means they want total control over you total manipulation over you they want to be worshipped by you and God said I will have no other gods before me but I will be number one in your life and so it is a dangerous thing when parents worship their children when when children worship their parents when parents worship one another we are called to worship the Lord thy God and him alone because when you worship him number one he will empower you to appropriately love folks with proper boundaries so that when that mocking spirit comes you'll be able to deal with it Your ability, folks, this is a take home. Those of you that are on Twitter, tweeter, tweet it. 
tag me, and I, I'm going to say this with the most humility. Folks, I think I got three followers on Twitter. We got more than three people here. I, now, to my defense, I just opened up Twitter like a month ago. But if you got Twitter, it's now been taken over by Eli. I guess there's a little more free speech or something. I don't know if he sold or whatever. But follow your pastor on Twitter. Amen. Tweet this one. Even if you don't follow me, tweet this one. Amen. I think my tag on Twitter is uh, Pastor Joseph Kalini or something like that. But you can find it on Facebook. Your ability to endure mocking will affect the level God uses you. Now, I preached this last Thursday in prison. And man, the drummer in the prison, I'm not pointing at Brother West, by the way. The drummer in the prison, right before I preached this message, he just almost got in a whole fight right before he came to the service because someone was mocking him. Someone was mocking him in prison, and he had so much pride. And I got to tell you, the more pride you have, the less you'll be able to deal with mocking. You won't be able to handle it. The more insecure you are, the less mocking you'll be able to tolerate. And some of those folks in prison, they are so dangerous because they have such a high level of pride and such a high level of insecurity that if you look at them too long, they take it as a threat and they are ready to fight. So the more humble we are, the more we will be able to endure mocking. And the more mocking we can endure, the more God will use you. The more God uses you, the more he will bless you spiritually, naturally, in all aspects of your life. Someone said, I wish I heard this message was out when I was in preschool. Them kids wouldn't let up. Your ability, someone say, my ability to endure mocking will affect the level God uses me. Let the church say. 2 Timothy 2.3, what does it say? Therefore, thou therefore endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Folks, we have to see ourselves that we are in a war. When you start to see people mocking you, it's because you are at war. And you were born into that war through Christ. You inherited a battle. Folks that are born in Israel and on the other side of Israel, what's that city? On the other side of Israel, Gaza, if you were born in Gaza, you had nothing to do with either side of the war. You inherited that war from birth. When you get born again in Christ, you inherit a spiritual war that you were actually birthed into. But only now, you are not just born in the war. You are not just existing in the war. Now you are a soldier who is a threat and a weapon against the enemy. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not natural, but they're mighty and spiritual. 
drawing down strongholds. Someone said, I'm in a war, but the battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. Good thing, because I got victory. That's where that song comes, victory is mine. And I'm not going to sing it, amen. I don't want everyone to leave. We cannot obey God and live for God and expect no opposition. Amen. It is unrealistic for you to live the way God called you and expect no opposition. It's going to come. You know what? I remember when I was doing the jail ministry at Cuyahoga County Jail in Cleveland at the Justice Center, and I was probably doing it at this time maybe uh, 12 years, 12 plus years, and uh, I went into the jail through the, um, what do you call it, the intake, Dakin, what do you call that, the intake where you walk in? Is that the intake? All right, that's where you got some metal detectors you got to go through, and they scan your belongings. So actually, there's two spots for that. But anyways, I was in there, and so when I went into the jail, they would call down a correction officer to escort me to the floor that I was going to so that I could do a church service. And I was down at the front floor where there, there were no inmates there. It was just police officers and correction officers, and it was a crowded um, a crowded room. So this was a public thing. And the correction officer comes to me and he looks at me and he says, how long you been coming down here? And I said, well, maybe roughly 12 years. He said, well, I noticed that over the last 12 years that you've been coming down here, all the inmates keep coming in and out of jail. In other words, when they get out, they hear your preaching and they come right back. And so he called me out in front of all these correction officers and all these police officers. He put me on the front spot. He said, what's the point for you to keep coming down here? And the inmates keep coming back. The recidivism rate is, what, 99%? What's the point? What's the use? And so he mocks me, puts me out there in front of everybody mocking me. I got my Bible, my sermon. I'm full of joy and peace. And here this correction officer comes and attacks me, mocks at me. All the rest of the correction officers are laughing on, at my expense. They're all looking at me laughing. And here I am getting ready to go to get. So you would think that as you go and say, I'm not getting paid to go to the jail. I'm not getting paid it cost me money for my parking. It cost me time. I'm actually leaving my job. So actually, not only am I not getting paid, I'm actually losing money from my high-paying job to go into a jail where they're mocking me. And so one of the goals of the devil, and this is not one of my points, one of the goals from the devil is to discourage you and to try to get you to stop on the track that God has you down. To pull you out of church. Pull you out of the things of God. Pull you out of serving God to stop you. And he's going to try to discourage you through mocking you. I'm trying to prepare you for what happens. So that way, when you've already experienced these things, you're not thinking some strange thing that's coming against you. 
And so I prayed, not knowing what to say to this correction officer. What is the point of me coming down here? And God gave me a thought. And I rode that thought. And I paused. In fact, I purposely paused to build up the momentum. I lingered my response. See, sometimes the devil will try to get you to react and just say anything out of the flesh, out of your emotions, your pride, your ego, just to try to get you to, to snare you. Get me out of my hookup. Start getting angry or yell. And who are you, you wicked sinner? That's what the flesh wanted to say. How about you're going to hell? Right? You heathen. The flesh wants to say that. But the Holy Ghost don't talk like that. So the Holy Ghost gives me a thought. And it was such a good thought. I wanted to marinate it on myself for a little bit before I gave it out. Building up the silence for about 30 second pause which seemed like eternity as he got the pastor. And my response was, not everyone is coming back to the jail in and out. He said, oh yeah, who? I said, I know one inmate who over the last 12 years has never come back to that jail. And he said, who? I said, me. I'm one. I never came back. Glory to God. And all the rest of the correction officers, they pointed at him. And the mocking spirit redirected from me back to him. Glory to God. Oh, wait, I got one more story. Now, this one involves the church. Oh, not the church. And out of all churches, no, it wasn't the Catholic church. No, it wasn't the Baptist church. It wasn't the Methodist. It wasn't the Presbyterian. It was a Pentecostal church. Mocking spirit. Not this Pentecostal church. It was another Pentecostal church. And so I was not a member of this church. I was a deacon and a faithful member at another church. That was my home church. I had a pastor who God assigned to me. Never, all glory to God, I did not miss that church. Okay? However, on other days, I went to this other church. But the thing was, I was more faithful as a visitor than some of their own members. So they thought I was a member when I wasn't. In fact, the pastor, when he needed help, he would call me instead of his own members to get some help. Still to this day, friends with that pastor. So as I'm walking out, this time there's more people. There's like 100 people in the hallway right by the door on the exit part. And so now one of their deacons calls me out in front of everyone. Hey, Joe. Already I knew it wasn't going to be good. Hey, Joe. Where were you at for the last two weeks? So now all these hundred people, well, he yells it. This is a deacon of the church. Puts me out in front of everyone. Where were you at? Laughing, mocking me, mocking me. I'm not even a member there. 
And he said, where were you at for the last two weeks? And I looked at him and I said, I am a deacon at another church. I only visit here. Went through one ear and out the other. He's like, how come you ain't been here? Everyone else gets what I'm saying except for him. Because, see, a mocking spirit doesn't care about anything other than to attack you. Even though you can literally answer properly and diffuse the argument, the mocking spirit doesn't care about who's right and who's wrong. Its goal is to attack you. And so I said, well, I, I repeated myself, I'm a deacon at another church, and I only visit here. In fact, I went to church three times this week and six times within the last two weeks. How many times did you go to church? And as a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit told me, what was the last two sermons that the pastor preached on? And the same person who was attacking me for not visiting their church could not remember the titles or the sermons of the last two weeks that he was attacking me. I said, okay, I understand. You don't get the title. You don't remember it. Give me any one point that will benefit me out of any of the last two weeks, out of one point, one scripture, anything at all within the last two weeks that I missed, and his mind went blank, and all hundred people turned from laughing at me to laughing at him, because I didn't think of that, that God did. And he said, when you go to that church, he said, this is a, a true church of God. And what, what, do you, what do you guys believe at your church? What type of denomination is? I, I turned around and I looked at him. I said, we worship Satan. And everybody laughed. <laughs> now, I got scriptures for that. The Bible says, answer a fool according to his foolishness. Don't take that and run with it. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Amen. But it is in the Bible. You could Google it. Answer a fool according to his foolishness. But then it also says in the next verse, do not answer a fool according to his foolishness because there's a balance. Sometimes if you answer a fool according to his foolishness, you uh, incur a black eye. And then you become the fool. It also says a soft answer turneth away wrath. But in everyone, the main thing is to be led by the Spirit. And God will teach you how to deal with the mocking spirit. We cannot obey God and live for God and expect no opposition. Nehemiah 4.1 But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard... That we were building the wall, he was wroth, which means angry, and took great indignation, which means anger, righteous anger, whatever, and mocked the Jews. You see that? When the enemy hears that you are productive for God, he's going to do what? He is going to mock you. What was the problem when they were building the wall? You see, the fact that he did not have a wall built means that the Jewish people were at the height of vulnerability. 
And so the enemy will take into account when you are at the peak of your vulnerability, he is going to hit you with the greatest mocking that you are going to incur in your life. In other words, they were trying to build up the wall. The wall represented protection. It represented safety. It represented power. It represented sovereignty. It represented territory. And as you are getting established in God, the enemy sees the weakest point in your life, and he's going in for the kill. In other words, as you're a baby Christian, as you're new in the Lord, the enemy is going to try to hit you with everything that he got. If you notice when Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that Satan came to him on the 40th day. Not the first day, not the 10th day, not the 20th day, not the 25th day, the 35th day. He waited until the 40th day when Jesus was at his weakest point to start to tempt him. There is a mocking spirit that is lingering around waiting for you to be at a weak point, for you to have an argument, for you to have a, a hard day, a bad day, and the mocking spirit is right there waiting on you. And he says he mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? Now here's the thing. These Jewish people were at an all-time vulnerability. They were doing something that they had never done before. And when you do something that you have never done before, you are subject to be confused. You're subject to be insecure. You're subject to be unconfident. And the devil smells it. You see, when we built this church, we started and we finished it in 2020. In other words, during the pandemic, during the peak of the pandemic, I had to, we had to bring this building up to code. We had to bring it to ADA compliant. We had to bring it to wheelchair handicap compliant. We had to deal with uh, a dozen inspectors from Strongsville. And the whole time, these inspectors were mocking me as I was building this church. As we were remodeling it, the inspectors from the city of Strongsville, they kept talking in my ear. Why are you building a church in the middle of a pandemic? Maybe people will come. Maybe someone will show up. I said, I'm not doing it for people. I'm doing it for God. And I don't care if no one shows up. I'm going to get up in that pulpit and preach and declare the word of God. And I'm going to obey God and leave the results up to him. I'm not doing it for people. I'm doing it for God. See, we have to be sold out for Christ. We have to be determined. We have to preserve, per persevere on the road that God called you to be on. Don't worry about the mockers, the naysayers, the gainers. A lot of times they are just being used by the enemy to take you off the track. You feeble Jews. How many of you know God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? In our weakness, we are strong in Christ. Even your greatest weakness does not slow God down. 
your, ba- your greatest wounds, your greatest struggles, your greatest challenges does not even slow down God. We serve a big God. Amen. It says, will they fortify these? What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Basically, they were saying, are you going to deny yourself? Are you going to do what it takes to serve God? Because we serve a church. We serve in a church. And I'm talking about the American church that does not want to sacrifice. I told you a lot of church, a lot of, a lot of people, they don't want to go to a church that tells them to pick up their cross, deny themselves, and follow Jesus. They're not looking for a battleship church. They're looking for a cruise ship church. They're not looking to go to war. They're looking for comfort cake and cookies. And I like all those things, too. But when it's time to go to war, you got to put your cake, cookies, and could put it down. Unless you use them to throw it at the enemy. Which I'll, I'm not opposed to that either. Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps and the rubbish which are burned? Now they're mocking. Look at how the enemy works. Mocking the people. Mocking the, their acquaintances. Not just mocking a person, but mocking everyone that they're surrounded with. See, the devil doesn't want to just attack you. He doesn't want to mock just you. He wants to mock your mama, your children, your marriage, your household, your job. Everything that you're connected to, he's going to mock. Will they make an end In a day, will they revive the stones out of the heaps and the rubbish which are burned? And now Tobiah and the Ammonite was by him. He said that which they build, if a fox goes up on it, he shall even break down their stone wall. So now they're saying that even after you build the wall, even a little uh, five-pound fox or a cat, if it walks on what you just got done building, will fall apart. Folks, when we were putting this church together, we had these, everything was established properly, right? These, these ceiling tiles were good. The lights had, I think it was like 12-gauge uh, wire that you literally could have done chin-ups on it. You could have put a couch on it. They, they weren't going nowhere. The roof would have caved in before those lights came down. And then the electrician inspector came around with a broomstick handle and pushed up the ceiling tiles. You know, he's like, oh, this is dangerous. You know, someone could uh, get hurt if, you know, if we have a hurricane. If we have a hurricane, the last thing I care about is the ceiling tiles. In fact, the ceiling tile weighs five ounces. I'm not worried about that falling. I'm more worried about the windows coming out and shards of glass sticking in my back than a five-ounce ceiling tile. When's the last time you saw an all-right war? Let's put aside our nuclear warheads, and we're just going to use ceiling tiles. When's the last time you saw a gang pull out, instead of a switchblade or a nine-millimeter, they pulled out a ceiling tile? Oh, no! (laughs) 
The greater the mocking, the sweeter the reward when God proves them wrong. You see, the devil is actually setting up a platform for you to be glorified. He's, you know, keep in mind, the devil can destroy all mocking at any given time. In fact, he did. When the children, you could see mocking from day one in the Bible. When the little kids mocked Elijah for having a bald head, you guys know the story? This might not be children's church uh, Bible stories, but I'll just PG it down real quick. The, 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 the children were mocking the bald head of Elijah, and out of nowhere, a bear got hungry, and the children stopped mocking. <laughs> Nehemiah 4.4 says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them pray in the land of captivity. Now, this was something that he prayed back then, right? Jesus has given us new instructions and in how to deal with a mocking spirit. What does the Bible say? Love your enemies. Pray for them and bless them that despitefully use you. So this was what was happening back then, but now we're under the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are engrafted into the body of Christ that we don't have to pray for fire from heaven to come down on those that mock us. Amen. So if you're mocked and you're praying for fire to come down, God said, bless those. Keep your fire in the fireplace. Amen. Leave it for the fire of the Holy Ghost. And all this mocking, and they said, you, oh, you feeble Jews, you weak people, a fox is going to make it collapse, and you can't bring it to pass, and what do you think is going to happen? How many of you know they talked all that smack? 52 days later, say it with me, 52 days later, the wall was complete. And I could hear them saying now, where are you at, Sam Ballot? You see, because when God is glorified in your life, you'll start to hear crickets chirping. You see, I, I don't see any of those inspectors that were laughing and mocking. In fact, from the day that I started ministry, we opened up in a storefront with like five people. Right. And there were four pastors in the neighborhood of old Brooklyn. Ain't that right, Elder? Four pastors in the neighborhood of old Brooklyn. And they all mocked me and they laughed at me. They called me a bootleg pastor. They said our church wasn't going to make it. One of the pastors right next door had a hearing, a board meeting against our little tiny storefront church. They were around for a hundred years and they had a board meeting against our little five-member storefront church and they had the meeting saying that they were going to buy our building and destroy it to get rid of our church and use it for parking lot and one of the board members that was in it started crying disagreed with them it, he lost that member that pastor through his board meeting lost one of his members because he saw the the, the wicked heart 
of those leaders and he ran over to our church crying and said our pastor is having a board meeting to destroy your church and I told them that they were wrong. I had other churches in the neighborhood all mocking me, making fun of me, telling me that our church was not going to make it. How many of you know that was 12 plus years ago? All four of those pastors, they are not, not one of them is still pastoring. The one church that was 100 years old is now condemned and unusable. Nobody's using it. All four of those churches were totally removed. One of them is a coffee house now. One of them is a bike store. One of them is a condemned building. And one of them just totally shut down. And yet, to the glory of God, by the grace of God, we'll stir here. What's that old saying? He that laughs first laughs last. In other words, they might laugh when you're at a weakened state, when you're at a vulnerable state, because it would have been easy for me to listen to the mocking and get discouraged and say, yeah, why do I keep on? Why do I keep persevering? Nobody sees the value of what I'm doing. I'm not making an influence. I'm not helping anyone. God's not using me. I'm not valuable. I have no significance. I have no importance. Why do I keep going on? Why don't I just quit and give up? But the devil's a liar. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to move forward in the name of Jesus. Come on, five people. Let's take the gates of hell through the blood of Jesus. Let the fire of God use us. Five people. <laughs> and I could say where you at, but I'm not going to. I'll just say I pray that you repent and get right. Some would say 52 days later. There is a time of completion. Yeah, you might be in a vulnerable state. Yeah, people might be laughing at you. People might not see the value in you now. Same thing happened with my optical business. Every, my family said, oh, you want to be a licensed optician? That's just like a dumb monkey, they told me, pushing a button. That's what they told me. A licensed optician is like a dumb monkey pressing a button. Now, I don't want to tell you that if the type of finances that came out of that profession is like a dumb monkey, then I'll be a dumb monkey because that dumb monkey bless this church. That's how we got this church right here. That's how we got our house. That's how we got a medical building. That's how we got a paid for car because a dumb monkey pressing a button. You can call me a dumb monkey, but he who laughs first laughs last. I'm going to tell you, people are going to try to discourage you. They're going to try to belittle you, especially if they're not going anywhere in life. They don't want you to go anywhere in life. If they're not doing nothing, they want you to do nothing. And I got to tell you, as you walk in God and God starts to polish you and clean you and you start to radiate from the Holy Spirit, you are going to be a conviction to those who are not living right. And when you are a conviction to them, they're going to mock you. They're going to laugh at you. But the same people that mock you and laugh at you, guess who they're going to go to when they need prayer? Guess who they're going to go to when they're ready to get right with God? They're going to go straight to you for prayer. God will have it that way. 
When I was in prison in 2002, all these inmates that laughed at me, mocked me, told me I was taking my faith too far. In You're literally locked up in prison as a criminal and not a good one because you got caught. <laughs> and you have the audacity to mock me, telling me I take my faith too far. Every single one of those mockers came to my church services at the Cleveland Justice Center, locked up as an inmate, and can't, God let them come to me, not knowing I was going to be speaking. Just wanted to go to church, down and out, away from family, struggling with drugs and alcohol, not taking their faith far enough, obviously, because they kept going in and out of jail, and God has kept me out since 2004 to the glory of God. And I'm not just existing. I'm not just surviving. I'm blossoming. I'm blooming to the glory of God. You see, and they came to the jail. And I'm telling you, I could have pointed at them and said, ha, ha. Like that guy from The Simpsons, the, the bar guy. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. But you know what I'm talking about, the obnoxious bully kid. Every time something happens with Bar, he's always like, hee hee. You know, I could have done that to them, but I didn't. Instead, I showed them grace, love, and mercy, and I hugged them, and I said, look, I'm glad to see you. I encouraged them. I said, get back, get back on the bike. Amen. God's got better for you than this. But just imagine you being that inmate, you being the one who was mocking me making fun of me, attacking my walk with God, and then you get locked back up, and the very same person that you attacked is now going to be the speaker that you're going to for comfort. And that didn't happen to just one person. That happened to every last mocker. Right now, to the glory of God, I own a medical building and that sounds like I'm a billionaire. I'm not. It's, it's an older medical building in old Brooklyn. But I own it. It's got four tenants, right? And one of the tenants, how do I say this? I, 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 I was glad she left. I'm just being real. I was glad that she left our building, right? Because she was a tenant from not heaven. And I gave her an opportunity to renew her lease. And she did not renew her lease. She could have left. I, I, I remodeled the unit for her, paid uh, thousands and thousands of dollars, floors, walls, fixed everything up for her out of our own pocket, right? And she could have easily, lazily just left the unit. But after her lease was expired, she, she could have moved on. She chose to work hard all day and night. For two days, she labored vandalizing the unit. It, it took her more energy and effort to vandalize the unit. She spray painted the brand new cabinets with black spray paint. 
She, she took the paint, stripped it down to the wood. She had those cheap dollar store tiles that she wanted to take home with her. She stripped half of them up and left the floor all vandalized. She took on the fresh drywall. She put a, a pentagram, a satanic circle with a satanic star mocking me. Mocking, knows I'm a pastor. She, she engraved a big satanic star in the middle of the wall. Meanwhile, me and my wife just came out of a major battle. In fact, our battle that we came out was so great that this seemed like nothing. See, sometimes the things that you think are challenging, there's such a big battle that all the little things are not as big as you think they are. Right? And so me and my wife just triumphed out of this great big battle. And we were just, I'm like, I called some family members that are police officers. And they're like, yeah, you could have her arrested. You know, you, she's, uh, she uh, was passing, she was trespassing. She uh, v vandalized the place. You could have her thrown in jail. And me and my wife, we looked at her and we said, nope, we're going to let it go. We pray for her. God bless her. God, we pray that you save her. We pray that you deliver her. And we could have attacked her. We could have spent all this energy going, uh, taking her to court and doing all this stuff. We spent zero energy. None. All, we, we, we left the place with the satanic star on there. We left the spray paint on the cabinets. We did nothing. We didn't even sweep up the place. We left it as is with glue on the floor. All I did is I put a for rent sign on the window. <laughs> laziest, laziest landlord in the state of Ohio. Put the for rent sign on the window. Same day. I get a call in my office. We would like to rent your unit that's for sale. I said, well, we can't rent it out right now. It's not looking rentable. We don't care. We want to rent it right now. I said, what's the hurry? So the lady that wants to rent the unit is the ex-employee that the old tenant who vandalized the place, she fired her. The moment it goes for sale, she comes by her, the lady that she fired. I heard them cussing at each other. I'm serious. And this was a, like two years before she vandalized the place. Right? So I, was, I happened to catch wind. I knew that they had fallen out. Well, the same lady that got fired from the old tenant comes immediately the same day, an hour later, calls me up, offers to give me three grand cash up front, $100 a month more, and her husband was a renowned remodeling contractor that specialized in remodeling units who would not allow me to do anything because she wanted his perfection expertise to go into that unit. They said they got about 20 grand that they're going to use to remodel that unit. So as the tenant mocked me 
and laughed at me and put a pentagram. Now she's going to, she knows she vandalized the pastor's unit. Not only did I not, I didn't even lose one month rent. We went up a hundred bucks. Don't have to, I didn't even have to sweep the floor. I didn't have to dust the windows. I literally didn't have to turn the lights on. I didn't have to put the, the electric and the water bill back in my name. I did nothing. Someone say nothing. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even the enemies to be at peace with you. And now that tenant, God bless her heart, she's going to be driving by that building. And her old employee that she fired is going to be the new owner of an improved, remodeled, I'm not going to say the type of business. <laughs> but it was the same business. Folks, you're going to experience these things. But I got to tell you, there is 100% nothing unique about me. 100% nothing special about me. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. When you serve God, you are entitled to the favor and the blessings of God. But it's possible had I not forgiven her and I wouldn't on a rampage trying to call the police and, you know, that those things might not have ever happened. You see, God is looking at you and how you're going to respond to the mocking spirit. It's not if a mocking spirit comes or when it comes, but when he comes, are you ready? Are you prepared to deal with that spirit? And look at what it says. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their head and give them prey in the land of captivity. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. Amen. This is the key. Do you have a mind to work? Because what I learned, it's not that you always work harder. It's that you work smarter. And if you're being led by God, you won't always have to work harder. He will lead you to work smarter, and he will fast-track you to get ahead. Because God wasn't calling me to chase after that lady and try to remodel that place. No, God is calling me on the assignment to build the wall. Build the wall. Someone say, I'm building The Antichrist spirit is limited to mocking Christians in the last days. Can I comfort you with that? If you're not saved and you're not covered under the blood, the devil can do more than mock. But when you are a child of God and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you are sealed with the blood of Jesus, you are covered in God 
by his divine protection. In other words, you are off limits to the enemy. In fact, if the enemy comes near you, just like Job, he has to get permission from God to even mess up your hair. But if you are a child of God, the only thing an antichrist spirit can do is mock you. Remember, the devil is limited to mocking you. Let him mock all you want. Laugh all you want, devil, because the Bible says that in the last days you're going to have time for a thousand years to reign, but then you're going to be thrown into the pits of hell with the false prophet, the antichrist, and Satan is designed for the pits of hell. That is the devil's determination, destination of where he's going to go. So let him laugh. Why be threatened when you know the outcome of what's going to happen to him? First John 4, 3. It says, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Do you see that, folks? The, where's the anti-spirit, the anti-Christ? Where is he at? He's already here. So everywhere you go, when you encounter a mocking spirit, it's from the anti-Christ. But keep in mind, his power is restricted to mocking you. That's it. When do we develop in our life where we stop caring about what other people think? When do we develop in our life where we stop getting worried about other people mocking? Jesus tried to encourage you. He said, if the world does what? hates you what's going to happen the world is going to hate you if the world does not hate you it's because you are still in the world but when you get out of the world and in christ jesus said keep in mind that it hated me first the content, and this is extremely important, folks. The content and reason for spirits to mock us is irrelevant. Can you say that? Irrelevant. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're black. The mocking spirit will mock you for being black. If you're white... The mocking spirit will block, black, will laugh at you for being white. If you're Puerto Rican, the mocking spirit will mock you for being Puerto Rican. If you're tall, the mocking spirit will make fun of you for being tall. If you're bold and beautiful like me, the mocking spirit will mock you for being bold. If you're tall, dark, and handsome like Elder, He'll mock you for being tall, dark, and handsome. You see, I, I'm going to tell you even other pastors sometimes 
fall victim to this gesturing and this mocking. Sometimes I get around a group of pastors and they start mocking and start laughing at other people. There's a cruelty. There's a cruelty that you'll see sometimes even within the church. If you're Baptist, they'll mock you for being Baptist. If you're Pentecostal, they'll mock you for saying yabba dabba do, speaking in tongues. Whatever you are, you're going to be mocked. Someone say it with me. Who cares? Who cares? Don't that feel good to say? Who cares? Matthew 27, 29. Then they twisted a crown of thorns. Why did they twist a crown of thorns? They were mocking Jesus. He was the only one on earth ever to be tempted at all points, yet without sin. He was the perfect lamb of God, and yet they still mocked him. He walked on water. They mocked him. He raised the dead. They mocked him. He healed the blinded eyes. They mocked him. He literally spit in mud. And they mocked him. He healed the blind. He raised the lamb, the, the lame. He made the deaf to hear, the blind to see, and they still mocked him. He took two fish and five loaves and fed the multitude, a miracle, and they still mocked him. He literally walked on water, and they still mocked him afterwards. Why is it that we feel entitled to not be mocked? I ain't yet seen you walk on no water. You ain't never healed and raised the dead. And yeah, they're going to mock you. Don't matter what you did. You literally could take bones that are dry and speak life into them and flesh can reoccur and they come back to life and they'll still mock you. You literally could be a billionaire, the richest person that ever walked the planet of earth, and they'll still mock you. You could drive a Rolls Royce and a Cadillac Escalade, brand new, straight off the assembly line, black-coated leather interior, and they'll still mock you. Your church could be full of 10,000 people, and they'll still mock you. Your church could have five people, and they'll still mock you. Someone say they're going to mock me. Who cares? Look, do I look like I care? <laughs> what, what's the other extreme? We be like the Wizard of Oz, the witch. I'm melting. I'm melting. Oh, no. Like a gremlin when the water gets thrown at him. Ah! Well, who cares? Someone say they're going to mock. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Only if you put more stock in the word of God. You know what I learned? This is what I learned. 
that even as the mocking spirit operates through a person and they say those harmful, hurtful, discouraging words, and they say these things to try to destroy you, even after that person stops talking and that person is no longer in the room, you will hear those voices even after that person dies. You will still hear those words of discouragement. You will still hear the gesturing, the laughing. Those words will not stop even though the, the voice waves, the sound waves, the, the actual physical rhythms are ceased. They're no longer carrying on. But the thought, the memory of those words that penetrated your heart and your mind, they will linger on with you. That's why the Bible says casting down imaginations, anything, any thought that exalts itself against the word of God. The Bible tells us to think on things that are pure, lovely, praise report. In other words, though the gesturing and the mocking comes, you cannot meditate on the voice of the enemy. You have to meditate on the voice of the Lord. This is why it is ir irreplaceable. It is irreplaceable that we need to come to church. We need to hear the word of God. The word of God, the anointing, the Holy Spirit breaks and destroys every yoke. It breaks and destroys every mocking spirit, every type of discouragement, every type of deviation, temptation, every type of attack. The word of God is more powerful than a two-edged sword dividing thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you stay in the corporate anointing, Jesus said when two or three gather together in my name there I am because those voices will start to subside and if you stay in God's house long enough the only voice that will linger with you is that still small voice the voice of the Lord and you will stop hearing the mocking spirit Yeah, they took the crown of thorns and smashed it, squished it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and they did what to Jesus? They mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they mocked him, they took off his robe and put on clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. That's what our Jesus did. He endured the mocking. Could The Bible says that he could have called a legion of angels and totally destroyed them. But Jesus endured the mocking. Amen? He was setting an example that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Some mocking does not deserve a reply. Did you hear that, folks? Some mocking doesn't deserve a reply. Do we always have to have the last word? Matthew 27, 12, this was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The Lord of glory, the Lamb of God. Look at how he dealt with this mocking. It says, and, and when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did what? 
He gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear this testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus did what? He made no reply. Not even a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now here's the thing, folks. You can't ever overcome the mocking spirit if you only see the person. You have to identify there is a spirit. And once you identify that there's a spirit, now you have to go to God and ask him how to deal with the spirit. Because you can't get into argument. How many of you know you can't win an argument with a demon? You, how many know you can't medicate a demon? You can't give a booster shot to a demon? Would be nice if you could. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Some would say Jesus made no reply. Now, I will real this. I really want to encourage you. Please allow me to encourage you. Every single tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. Amen. God will silence all. Someone say all. All mockers will be silenced by God in his time. Second Chronicles proves it. 36.16. Read it with me, folks. But they mocked who? God's messengers despised his words. Some people despise God's words. They don't mind the words of the NFL. They don't mind the words of the NBA, the NBA, the news, mainstream media. They'll listen to those words all the time, but the word of God, they despise. That's the world. They despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord is aroused. Folks, there's coming a day where the wrath of God will be aroused. Amen. And it says against his people and there was no remedy. In Galatians 6, 7, it says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We have a special reward from God for all who endure mocking. Amen. We have a special reward from God. Someone say, I have a special reward from God for all the mocking we endure. So in other words, all the people that are mocking you and trying to discourage you, if you stay put, if you stay on course, God has a reward because of that mocking. In other words, in their mocking you, they are actually blessing you. If you endure. So in other words, the more they mock you, the greater God is going to bless you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be 
comforted. Blessed are the brokenhearted. See, God has a special blessing reserved for you. I'm going to tell you it's going to come in this life and in the next life to come. Special reward. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, did you ever consider that as you are mocked, you're actually being tested? And the greater the test, the greater the reward. Do you think that a board exam is the same thing as a pop-up test? See, a pop-up test doesn't come with a license. A medical board exam comes with a license. In other words, the harder the test, the greater the authority that comes as you pass the test. In other words, as you pass the test, there is authority that is granted unto you from the kingdom of God. Because if you're faithful over little, he'll make you ruler over much. And it all goes on to eternal reward. It says, who perseveres under trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Psalms 126, 5, it says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Of Ecclesiastes 3:11, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Someone